This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Well, good Tuesday morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for October 13th. This is episode 1276, and this episode is brought to you by the American Endurance Ride Conference. Good morning, horse world. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned, and completing the challenge is the challenge, you're an endurance rider. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. Well, that's right. It is Endurance Day here on Horses in the Morning, and we welcome Karen back. She's been doing this a long time now, Endurance Episodes, on the second Tuesday of every month. And with all the guests you have planned today, it's going to seem like a sprint, not an endurance ride. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you have it packed up. See, the problem is we only do this once a month, and it's so popular, and you have so many people you got to get on, it just fills it up. And there's so much to talk about. I know. And you guys, of course, are, uh, you know, hot and heavy into everything right now. Uh, we have a lot to talk about with the USEF and the, uh, the AERC. Just so much going on right now. Uh-huh. Yes, and, and parades. Oh, and parade parades. Yes, we have too. to talk about parades, too, because uh, are you getting nervous yet? Kind of. Are you? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. This is so funny because you guys ride on the sides of mountains. I mean, you're risking your life on these little trails that are six inches wide and with 3,000 <laughs> foot drops. You do all this crazy stuff on your Arabian horses and you're getting nervous about a parade. Five miles at a walk and a standstill. And a million people. <laughs> Let's yeah. not forget that. Yeah, there is that. <laughs> yeah, there's the million people waving flags and banners going, hey, horsies. And, and then the little kids throwing, uh -huh. you know, throwing uh, candy at you. Yeah, all of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and for those that are new, we have a lot of new listeners. And uh, hello again to all of our listeners who I've been hearing from in the last couple of days from Sweden. Um, J Jamie uh, yesterday decided to look up because I gave uh, our daily Winnie to some of our listeners in Sweden who had written to me. And so she decided to do some Google Translate on some Swedish terms. And uh, we've gotten a lot of comments about that from our Swedish listeners since then. Hopefully. So we really <laughs> need to have a Swedish listener on to really give us some real Swedish at some point. <laughs> Because Jamie obviously is failing. But uh, yeah, for our new listeners, Aww. Karen and some of the endurance riders here in the United States are heading to California for New Year's Day for the Rose Parade. And uh, that is so That's exciting fun. that you guys, first time I think endurance is represented at the Rose Parade, right? Yes, it is. And there's 25 of us. 
So uh, it's going to be quite um, an experience. We have another practice parade we're going to do locally here on Veterans Day in Virginia City. And that'll give us a little bit more opportunity to expose our horses to some of the stuff that they're going to see. Did anybody, anybody explain to the parade committee about Arabians and flags and banners and kids throwing candy at them? Well, our horses have done enough practices, and they're actually behaving quite professionally. You'd wow. be kind of amazed. Really, you know, like you said, with all the stuff we expose our horses to, um, you know, they're used to riding alongside highways and traffic and stuff, which is really a lot more scarier than just people sitting along. Well, I you know, know, the other thing spectating. I heard, David Saunders always talks about this. He was, he's a coachman and uh, hosts once a month on our driving show. And he was coachman to the Queen uh, for 20 years. And what he said, because he was in a lot of the royal parades. Hey, he Glenn? Was, yeah. Hey, Glenn? Yes. You might say, which Queen? Remember, we have oh, listeners the Queen of England. all over the world. That's right. Not the Queen of there Sweden. I think they have one. So yeah. we're going to have to get a Swedish listener on. We need to learn more about Sweden. But um, he was to the Queen of England. He actually did Princess Diana's wedding, and he was hauling, I think, Prince Philip in that one. Um, and he, wow. what he said, and this will make you feel better, is when there's so many people, like there were for the royal parades like that, when there's mm-hmm. so many people, the horses can't zone in on any one thing. Right. Yes, they're overstimulated. Right. So nothing really affects them because everything is stimulating. Uh, (laughs) It's different than when the deer comes right out in front of you on the trail when there's nothing to stimulate them except that deer that's attacking them. Um, So, you know, he said it was actually they were better during the parades because there just was Uh so much. They couldn't take it. Exactly. Well, the, the parade we did in June, I carried a flag. So I only had one hand on chief. And he just did fantastic. Even, you know, he was in the front row on the outer side and he handled it. Just, it was really great to see. I was really relieved. <laughs> He's a trooper though, Chief. He's a good guy. I know. He did He's good. So we're having a, a fundraiser for our group down in the Pacific South region in Riverside on uh, Saturday, December 12th from 9 to 5 or 5 to 9 p.m. And Julie Sir is going to be there um, and a bunch of other riders and many of the people that are going to be in the parade. It is, it looks like it's a $20 dinner, music, beverage, and no host bar. And you can get your tickets by, by calling, let's see if I can find a number here, 951 683 6000. Very good. And where is that again? Give the location. And uh, Riverside, California at the White Horse Ranch. And what's the date? December 12th. Okay. There you go. You can help them get to the highway in Pasadena. Yes. All right, Jennifer, tell us what's coming up on today's show. This ought to take 10 minutes. <laughs> coming up on today's endurance episode brought to you by the American Endurance Ride Conference. Once we have caught up on all of Karen's most recent adventures, and there are many, Karen from the the Distance Depot will be revealing this month's Spotlight product. Following close behind, Heather Sansom joins us for some advice on fitness for riders. And then next up, Dr. Jerry Zebrak is looking for volunteers. Uh Uh-oh. And rounding out the day, Dr. Garlinghouse talks about completing versus competing. So stay tuned for the break, folks. Thank you, Jennifer. Appreciate that. Well, what's uh, coming up? You actually uh, had some adventures in the last month. 
I have. I just did a 50 a week ago on Chief, the Red Rock Rumble, and had uh, both been um, teaching a 10-year-old junior writer about the sport of endurance. She's been coming out and riding him. So uh, this was her first time going to an endurance ride, and she rode him on the intro rides a total of 30 miles on Saturday and did fantastic. She did good? She did good. We even got rained on a little bit. And um, yeah, she had a great time. By by the end of that evening, her um, last words I remember her saying was, I want to do Tevis. How old do you have to be to do Tevis? She's hooked already. (laughs) (laughs) She's already hooked. So during the ride, unfortunately, I lost my cell phone somewhere on the trail. (sighs) How exactly do you carry your cell phone? Well, obviously, nor, not you know, well, I ha- obviously. <laughs> not well, no. Um, unfortunately, I had it in my shirt pocket and it fell out, So, which was a bummer. Why I th- I does had it- an endurance rider carry your cell phone in their shirt pocket and not have it attached with one of the thousands of bands that are available for your legs or arms? I know, and I have one of those bands, and most of my shirts have zippered pockets, and so that was my own stupid fault for doing that. So my cell phone and it, of course, it got lost in like the only section of that mountain where there's absolutely no cell service oh, so you can't because it, it, <laughs> it's got all those apps and, you know, find my droid and, oh, yeah. you know, location stuff and the GPS was on and, but it doesn't work when there's absolutely no cell service. So... We stayed overnight Saturday night. It was pouring rain, and uh, the junior got to sleep um, on the floor underneath horse blankets, and she never complained about anything once. She was so tired. (laughs) It was great. So we got up in the morning, saddled up at 7 o'clock, and rode out and rode another almost 20 miles looking for my phone and never (laughs) did find it. But she was happy as could be. So we went ahead and and entered her next weekend. with Bo, and I'm going to ride Chief in a 50 at High Desert. Oh, It'll wow. be her her first 50. So we're looking forward to that. Wow, that's terrific. Now, yeah. when, when that happens, yeah. when you're kind of mentoring a junior rider like that, they have to stay with you. Isn't that kind of a requirement at that age? Yes, yes they do. Yes, they do. So uh-huh. you can't separate it. Anyway. So, not on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> So what 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 did you get for a new phone? We I know you you and I had talked about that. What'd you end up getting? Well, actually, I got the Note Four, oh, which I loved I it. But then I had some problems with it, so they decided to change me over it, because when I went to trade it for a, another one, they didn't have it in white, and I really wanted white, so they gave me a more expensive phone and didn't charge me. So I got the Galaxy um, Active model. Uh, version six it's waterproof shockproof dustproof and a little more durable (laughs) so yes here's the most important question karen can Uh you make a phone call with it i know the thing that most cell phones can't do well they do everything isn't it amazing all the stuff they do i mean they can check your heart rate now that's right yep that's correct i do that on mine occasionally uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It does everything. Yeah, they're, you just hold your finger to the back of the phone. The Samsung ones have that. They're they're pretty amazing. And yes, it's going to be tethered to me from yes. now on. <laughs> you need it to, around your neck. I need to get you a lanyard for your phone. 
tuck it uh-huh. in your And shirt. that's how I carry my GPS, you know, and I've never lost my GPS. See, there you go. So, <laughs> the, the only good thing that did come out of it is I was out of my contract, so I was able to get a pretty good deal by renewing. So, so that it all worked out in the end. All right, good. Well, we got some news out of the USEF, too. Yes, our, we have a group of the young writers that are going to represent the United States at the FEI World Endurance Championships for young writers and juniors in Santo Domingo, Chile. And that is on October 23rd and 24th, 2015. And uh, let me read off the list of those that are going. And they've already left with the horses. Um, Katie Baldino from Marietta, Georgia. And... Uh, Mary Catherine Clark's Kalilas Legacy, a 2006 Arabian gelding. Mallory Capps from Cumming, Georgia. And Lori Shiflet's Magical Mikada, a 2003 Arabian gelding. And Mary Catherine Clark from Eatonton, Georgia. And her own Questifer, a 2004 Arabian gelding. Isn't it neat that they have their model years listed? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I thought that Christ- too. Christina they Kimberly. They don't have any miles, though. See, it'd be great <laughs> if it was, yeah. uh, just had the mileage right after Yeah, that. they should list the mileage, yeah. too, yeah. along with the year, you know. Christina Kimberly from Bixby, Oklahoma, and Jeremy and Ellen Olson's Bay Gibby, a 2001 Arabian gelding. Maria Muzio from Clifton, Virginia, and Natalie Muzio's Laconic, a 2002 Arabian gelding. So good luck to all of those writers. I do not envy announcers at shows that have a lot of uh, Dutch word blood <laughs> names or Arabian names because <laughs> I know because <laughs> <laughs> they're all weird, uh, or or the Spanish uh, like uh-huh. PREs and stuff too. Always have very strange names. Uh, uh-huh. yeah. You did good, though. You got through. Oh, good. And they're, so they're all headed off right now to Santa Domingo, Chile. Yes, I think they've probably arrived by now. I saw some pictures a day or so ago on Facebook where they were loading the horses. That to sounds transport. like jungle riding to me. Yes, but what an exciting experience for all those young yeah, people. That sounds like I you're riding that. in the middle of jungles with monkeys. That's what I picture. <laughs> I don't know if it's true, but that's what I picture when you say Santa Domingo, Chile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, you have an endurance tip for us today, and we're going to be talking a little bit about milestones. Yes, milestones and goals. Um, I was excited to get a list of the 30 new decade teams for 2015, which is really kind of cool because when when I first came up with the idea and starting started putting it together and keeping track of horses and riders that had ridden 10 years together and 50-mile rides and up, we were only getting about half that many in a year. And so now it has become one of the most desired achievements for endurance riders. You know, it's it's a big long-term goal, which is a great thing to have because we all need, you know, short-term goals and long-term goals. And it was really exciting a couple years back when AARC adopted this as an official recognition program because now you'll see and hear from a lot of people that that's – now they're num- one of their number one goals, especially long term, is to become decade team. And so if anyone does reach decade team status, AARC has um, jackets and blankets available that they can order. So if any of you out there listening are getting close to that accomplishment or you have and you'd like to get a blanket for your horse or a jacket, um, go to AARC.org and you can find the order form there and order it. That's a really cool idea. 
It is because, you know, I think a long time ago, people really didn't have those long-term goals to focus on. And a lot of the horses, you know, I was noticing that, you know, a lot of horses weren't lasting that long in the sport. And I think by giving somebody a long-term goal to try to achieve, it causes them to try to educate themselves better on how to take care of their horse and how to manage it so that it does last longer. And I think that's a really cool thing that endurance riders can be proud of, that that we do take such good care of our horses that they last in the sport for 10 years or longer. Right. And, you know, considering what the sport is, that's amazing. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly. not like we're doing short little rides uh, once a month. <laughs> so uh, that is amazing. And it does it does say a right. lot for you guys. Right. Yeah. Because they have to be 50-mile rides and up. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of a cool thing when, you know, I mean, Chief is in his 14th ride season right now. I was just going to say, aren't you going on two decades? Do you have a two-decade <laughs> uh, coat, too? Um, probably actually there's a couple, um, one of the guests we had on John Park, his horse Remington has competed for two decades. And I know there's a couple of other horses out there that have done it as well. It's very rare, but it has been done, which is also pretty darn cool. And I don't know if we'll make it that far with Chief, but he's still doing pretty good at 20. Very good. Sounds yeah. terrific. And uh, was what else was it that we needed to talk about before we headed into the guests? Was there something else? Mm. Uh, I don't know. We are we about wind, are we winding down season now? Are you going to be doing your last co- couple rides, and then we're heading in? Everybody's going to be uh, driving to Florida. Is that the- could could be? Yes, you know it varies. It just depends on the season and the weather and how things go. You, you know, it can vary quite a lot. But yes, we're getting down to our last one or two rides in this region, you know, for the year. There is one more at, at Thanksgiving weekend that's a three-day ride. And that, of course, also, you know, a lot can depend on what the weather's like. Because once we start, you know, getting into October, November, you know, we can have all sorts of storms that make it really difficult to get across the Sierras for riders on either side to get to and from a ride. Well, that's the other thing we needed to talk about. Speaking of Thanksgiving weekend, uh, Mm -hmm. for all the endurance riders out there, we are doing here at the Horse Radio Network, and Karen is part of this, so she's going to need your help to represent here. We are doing the first ever 12-hour Horse Radio Network Radiothon brought to you by Weatherbeta on Cyber Monday, which is the Monday after Thanksgiving, November the 30th. We're going to be on air live for 12 hours from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. And we're going to, Dr. Wendy of the Driving Radio Show is coming up to the studio here in Ocala. And the two of us are going to do all 12 hours, but we're going to get help from from a, a lot a lot of our hosts are going to come on and we're going to do we're going to do like a dressage hour, a driving hour, and we're going to do an endurance hour from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern time on November 30th. And what we need your help with is to call in, uh, think about it now. Uh, we we would love to have some of you who can sing or who write poetry <laughs> or write stories 
to call our voicemail line and leave messages, and we'll play them during that hour. We want to see who's more creative, the drivers, the dressage riders, the eventers. We're going to see who's more creative. And, uh, you know, we've done this before in Horses in the Morning, and a lot of our listeners have uh, sung songs, had their kids sing, whatever. <laughs> Just fun. It's a holiday Christmas party. The theme is favorite holiday memories for the day. We're going to have top riders calling in all day long. We'll do that on Endurance here, too. Maybe we can even con Potato into calling in. Um, <laughs> and uh, we're going to have top riders calling in, telling us about their favorite holiday memories. Uh, we're going to give away prizes every hour. So you can look forward to that as well. Uh, so it's all coming up on November 30th. Karen's going to join us for an hour. And it just is meant to be a lot of fun. And it's meant to be a holiday party. Uh, and it's just going to be 12 hours of it. That sounds like an endurance day. It is. It's, you're right. It's an endurance day. We should have you. I should have had you come over and spend the whole day no, here. You'd have been good at it. That's what it's going to be like. Just like doing a 50. You have 12 hours. That's right. <laughs> you talk for 12 hours, which for some people is not a problem. So I should be okay with that. Uh, <laughs> Jennifer's the one going, hey, look, you have 20 hosts on the Horse Radio Network and one producer, me. So how exactly am I going to eat and go to the bathroom that day? Uh, we're trying to get somebody trained to help her so that uh, she can actually leave her seat. For 12 well, that would be nice. Yes. <laughs> so that's all coming up on November 30th. We'll talk more about that next month uh, on the show. And we'll try and, we'll try and get the endurance riders really chipping in and uh, representing here. We don't want them left out. Because, you know, this is one of our t still top five shows we do every month on, on Horses oh, good. in the Morning. So yes. we, we want to make sure they're represented at the party. Uh-huh. All right. Very good. Well, why don't we go to our first guest? And it looks like we have Kristen coming up from the Distance Depot with our product of the month. Hi, Kristen. Hi, Karen and Glenn. How are good. you? Good. Good. Good morning. How was the national championship? Oh, it was terrific. We had a great trip out there with our mobile tax shop. Um, we had, um, you know, tons of shoppers and we got to watch the vetting. They parked our, our, uh, mobile shop right in front of the vet area. So we got to see, um, the first to finish in the 50 and, um, Daryl Downs was the winner of that. And, um, unfortunately we left before the hundreds, um, got out on trail so that we could get back to the shop. But um, it was a fabulous trip. We had a great time. Great. What was the weather like for the ride? Well, um, coming up to it, we were a little nervous because, of course, that hurricane was coming up the East Coast and had been predicted to head right towards Virginia. But thankfully, it um, went out to sea. I think it hit the southern states more um, oh, than good. Virginia. Although they had a lot of rain, and I don't, um, I don't know. It made the grounds a little bit soggy. But everyone seemed to get in and out okay. Um, I didn't see a lot of, um, you know, not too much mud or anything. So despite the amount of rain that they got, I think it rained for five to seven days straight, they were telling us, the locals. And, wow. Um, but, and this, but, yeah, we this all was got in, in okay and got back out. Oh, good. And this was in Virginia at the Old Dominion Trail? That's correct, yes. And I hadn't been there. I had been years and years ago to the old Dominion um, location where they held it previously in Front Royal. But this is a beautiful camp. They've done a lot of work, and it was really very beautiful. We're, we're going to be posting pictures on our website soon. So oh, good. So can look back to see pictures there. Well, I understand you have a new line of pottery and gifts by Ann York. Tell us about that. 
Yeah, she makes beautiful horse pottery for your listeners who aren't aware. Um, bowls and vases and platters. They're really pretty. Um, in some different earth tones, they're really nice. And now she has, we're very excited about her new line of apparel. She's doing a ride like a girl apparel. So you can show your uh-huh. girl power for all those girls out there. Um, we have some really fun um, distressed ball caps and solid color ball caps. They're about $15 and they're really fun. I wore mine all weekend and we sold a ton of them. Um, everyone's seeming to like them. Okay. She also has um, some baseball t-shirts, you know, with the longer three-quarter inch sleeves. They come in pink and purple sleeves, so they're fun. Um and several different types of T-shirts and tank tops, all with the the Ride Like a Girl logo, which um, is basically somewhat similar to, for those who are familiar of the Cougar Cougar Rock image. Um, it's basically a trail riding girl climbing a mountain, so it's a pretty cool, pretty cool logo, and I think people are really excited about it. Oh, good! Yes, the pottery is beautiful. I'm looking at the pictures of it. There's platters, uh, vases, um, a six-piece set. And, yeah, you can uh, buy bowls and and um, you know mix and match your orders, but they they make fabulous gifts and and um, you know great gifts for yourself as well. Yes, they look great. And great. I hate to tell everybody, but it is coming. <laughs> it, it, it is. I know. I'm trying not to mention it because you know we don't want to overload people. <laughs> but your your Thanksgiving event sounds really fun. Yeah, you're going to have to join us. I'll be in touch with you about okay. that. We're just putting the final details yeah, on everything, but yeah. I will be in touch with you about that, and uh, uh, it, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. And you know what? I hate to tell everybody this, but the 25th of October is only two weeks away, and that means it's only two months to Christmas. Oh, boy. Oh, my <laughs> Coming up on us. You know, it's so funny when you more- walk in Walmart now, all the Christmas stuff is out. It's all out. Oh, yes. Oh, it's it not even Halloween. I know. <laughs> Speaking of Halloween, we will have our mobile tech shop uh, just real quick um, at the Hillsdale Rides. Um, they're having here in Hillsdale, Kansas, for the local folks that um, are familiar with our store So, and that will be attending that ride. They're having two days of 25s and 50s. Um, I think they're calling it the Hillsdale Fall Blast, and we will be there with our mobile tech shop over Halloween. We might even be in costume. Now, do the riders go in <laughs> costume, a lot of them? Well, I don't know what they'll do. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting. Because, Karen, haven't oh, you done Halloween rides before? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, and do you dress up? I did. I went as Martha Stewart one time. <laughs> What'd you do? Have pots and pans on the side and, you know, an and, apron and, or, or a jail rolling, outfit? Which one did you I go had, with? Well, I had rolling pins and, and I made, um, my horse's mane was made up with flowers, like a centerpiece. And then I had handcuffs <laughs> on the saddle <laughs> along with a whisk and, you know, all the, and then I had an apron and, and the whole thing. And uh, yeah, it was kind of funny. It was kind of fun because it was back when she was still in jail. <laughs> <laughs> That's when the Martha Stewart costumes were really popular. Uh, they're kind of out of vogue now. She's she's, she's so yesterday now. I, I, know. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> okay, well, well, Kristen, if someone's interested in ordering any of these things from you, how would they get in touch? They can certainly um, 
find us at www.thedistancedepot.com or give us a call toll-free, 866-863-2349. Well, thank you for stopping by this morning. Thanks, Karen and Glenn. Have a great day. Thanks, Kristen. I'll be in touch. You too. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. It's funny. Well, now we had a chance to do an interview. Uh, we had to get this. She wasn't available this morning. We had to get a little bit of ahead of time. And you kind of have a theme going. We have a whole bunch of like uh, uh, people with letters after their names today. Yes, doctors and PhDs. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yes, our next guest is Heather Sansom from Equifit.com. She she's an author, a speaker, a coach. She does fit. She does fitness and equestrian training for. Writers. She um, specializes in biomechanics and is a PhD researcher in youth development through equine assisted um, well, you programming. Re- you realize the only two people on this show today that are not doctors are you and I. Uh, the rest of the guests are doctors. Right. Yeah. I know. It's not fun. <laughs> Yeah, we, and I didn't even think about that when I was picking them out, you know, for the topics and stuff to talk about. You well, know, that's the fun show. about the show. There's a whole bunch of smart people in endurance. You just, you know, it's like I, I know, and you know, the fun thing about doing the show is, I usually I don't need to plan very far in advance because as each show gets closer. I just kind of look around and see what's going on and what the new things people are interested in. Like, you, you know, when I do my second guest after Heather, um, th- he stood up at the last ride, Dr. Zebrak, and talked about this research project he's doing. But more on that later. But but that's the kind of fun thing with the show is sometimes you start thinking, oh, what am I going to talk about this month? But then it just seems to all fall together. That's our life every week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sure it is. You do a show every day. I don't know how you do it. Let's just. All right. Let's take a listen to Heather Sansom. Heather, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Oh, great. Thank you. Well, let's talk a little bit about staying fit as riders as we get older. Um, A lot of the demographics of our endurance riders are that they're retired or close to being retired um, and in that age bracket. So let's um, let's start with um, kinds of exercises and things that um, you suggest for staying fit as we age. Well, um, as we age, you're, you're absolutely right. I've noticed that endurance does attract a lot of riders in an older demographic. Um, I think the endurance saddles are way more comfortable. That might be part of it. <laughs> um, but I, I actually, I had the opportunity to interview one of the Canadian World Equestrian Games endurance riders, Alroy Carius, once um, post-joint replacement surgery. And then I interviewed several others just because I started to get really interested in the age group and in, in the specific issues um, that riders face. And and endurance in particular, you have two factors. You have the age of your body that you need to manage, and you have more time and distance with the horse, which sounds, you know, that's obvious, except that when you think about the repetition of movement that the horse is making over that distance, you have probably in endurance the biggest capacity for long-term strain issues, which is why it takes so long to train an endurance horse, right, to fit them up Mm -hmm. to actually racing. A lot of the time, though, people aren't thinking as much about their own body. And the issues um, that you have when you age, 
first of all, as a human being, you have certain issues that happen with age that, that create, um, I would say in a nutshell, you know, that each decade you age, the rules change, the physical rules change, and your body does different things. And this impacts how you move in general, which impacts how you engage in every single sport. So as you get over the age of 50 in particular, you're into a zone where you have more um, brittle ligaments, more uh, tougher ligaments, less muscle mass because you're atrophying at a, at a rate per year roughly a pound or two of muscle a year. Um, and those, and your weight may not change, so your body mass ratio is, is changing where you have less lean mass supporting your movement and supporting your body and more what I call loose ballast, just, just excessive body weight that's not muscle, um, that you need to shift around. And so when you fatigue, that's when an older rider is much more at risk for a long-term strain injury to joints from wear and tear and fatiguing to the ligaments that are supporting joints. And and also the older rider then, because it's natural for key movement joints like hip, knee, ankle to become stiffer and spine, this all restricts an older rider from following the motion of the horses easily. So as the rider's body becomes somewhat stiffer, they're actually blocking the horse's motion to a certain degree. So the more distance you ride the horse blocking his motion, the more you force him to compensate. So so the age of the rider has an impact on the soundness of the horse, not and, and not even so much from the rider's skill so much as the mechanical effect of, of their body just not flowing with the movement or of the point where the rider fatigues and then doesn't realize that they may be shifting their weight slightly to one side or the other. Well, if you're schooling a horse for 20 minutes in, a, in an arena, that doesn't have nearly the same impact as when you're riding the horse over 50 miles with you know, a slightly off weight shift. Mm-hmm. You know what? So fr- that's what's so frustrating about getting older, because I'm like 52 now. It's so frustrating because your mind, you're still 16. Uh, and and the body does not cooperate with that. Uh, your mind's thinking one thing, and your body's doing something else. And that is one of the most frustrating things about getting older. That's right. You know, sometimes I like to point out to older riders that, you know, you might not have physically what you had for free in your 20s, um, but you're smarter. You've had a lot more life experience. So, well, so some of have, us. <laughs> <laughs> you, hopefully you have, and you have... A more cognitive development than a 20-something-year-old. So, so you have to compensate with your brain. Um, and you have to, you have to manage your body smart. You know, you manage your money smart. You manage your career smart. You manage your horses smart. You, you take less risk because you know, you know, you know what could happen. You, you don't, you have the foresight, you know, you didn't have when you were younger, but you need to manage your body as well. But we tend not to. We tend to be kind of, equine martyrs, you know, where, where you'll be out there till two in the morning doing something for the horse, even if it totally kills you. And, and it's not fair to the horses to do that to yourself. Right. Well, what do you suggest um, for some of these riders to do as far as how to stay fit? Well, I work with um, what I call a rider fitness training scale. And you can probably Google it because I think it's, it's a concept that other people have latched onto. And I've even seen it in other articles. Um, out there on the internet, but the starting point is to think about 
just like with training a horse, you know, certain things, there's first steps and, and you need to take care of the first steps before you get too fancy. So with an older body in particular, um, it becomes really important to look at flexibility and core strength. Because if you don't have those, any amount of, of dexterity or muscle strength, you're still going to be creating negative strain on your joints and on your and, and postural issues which are going to affect the horse. So if you start with flexibility, trying to keep your joints as mobile and in full range as possible, and also core strength, right there you can already support your body better than mm-hmm. if you were young without the flexibility and without the core strength, but full of muscle tone and, and you know, youthful body awareness you're actually better off being an older rider with good core strength and, and good joint mobility through your spine, your hips, in particular, your ankles. Um, ankles get very stiff uh, as we age, and so keeping up, people don't think about it, but, you know, little things like keeping up your ankle flexibility. Well, when the horse is moving underneath you and the stirrup rises and lifts the ball of your foot, that flexibility in your ankle is a bit like a shock absorber. And when you're stiff in the ankles, you prevent the horse's full motion. On, on the sort of, you know, uh, they have a an oval-shaped motion as, as they move, and, and you should too. And, and when your ankle is flexible, then the horse the horse's movement can cause their legs and their body to rise and, and fall in, in the way that it should. And it's a really little thing, and, and keeping your ankles flexible is really easy to do, but it's one of those things that people forget a lot. So, so it's good for an older rider because flexibility and core are things that you can do without even changing into workout clothes that you can kind of incorporate into your life really easily. And and how would you how would you do that? Um, you know, you can you if you still work, if you have a day job, you can incorporate some stretching into your coffee break or your lunch break, mm-hmm. in your office, uh, in, in a parking lot, at the barn, at home. Um, it's very easy to squeeze in five or ten minutes of joint mobility or stretching here and there without breaking a sweat, but it has a huge impact on everything else that you do. Um, And with core strength training, um, there's so many resources out there to do that. You can, and it's also, you don't even need any equipment to do core strength. You just need a space on a floor. Okay. Uh, and and you can you can train your core at home in the barn and gym. You don't even need to go to a gym. So it's very very easy to maintain those two basic aspects of your fitness. After that, things that riders, especially older riders, can do to maintain body coordination and dexterity are really important because you might feel like you're still in touch with your inner six year old, but you actually are losing neuromuscular connections and neural connections on a, on a daily basis. So by training dexterity, balance, um, and, and, and body coordination, um, you can actually improve the, the connections neurologically and between your brain and your muscles. So, so it's not enough. Willpower is not enough. It actually, <laughs> you know, mental, mental training. So you actually physically have those neural connections available to you that when you go to ride, your brain knows exactly where your left and right foot are, left and right shoulder. Like it knows where you are at all times and you can 
you can effectively use your body when you're riding. Only after that, then then we get into, you know, the importance, especially for endurance riders, of maintaining cardiovascular capacity. So an older endurance rider might not go and do sprint drills, but um, some speed walking or Nordic walking or use of hills, you train the horse on hills, you use the hills yourself, um, is, is a really great way to build cardio capacity using intervals up the hill. You know, it, it takes more out of you, hopefully more than you ever need when you're actually riding. But, but a principle in sport conditioning is that you need to train your own capacity to about 20% higher than you actually need in, in the event of your sport. Okay. So by training your body consistently to have that cardiovascular capacity, we know this about the horses. We know that you're training oxygen exchange at the muscle cell level and in your blood system and in your, your whole metabolism. So it's not something you can go and do two weeks before events. It's something you need to make part of your life, that you, you do things that elevate your heart rate so that when you're out riding, you never face the limit of demand on your body. Your okay. body has more um, more capacity than the ride needs, so that because you don't want to fatigue on the horse. Right. Well, one of the things I notice with the older riders and even with some of the younger ones is they have a lot of difficulty mounting um, and unmounting, but especially mounting their horse. Do you have any advice for them? Yeah, that's about joint range of motion. Mm-hmm. that I mentioned earlier. Uh, so being able to mount the horse, um, you can train your body being able to um, keep mobility in your ankles and, and in your hips um, is really important, as well as that being able to balance on one foot. So you can train that using using stairs, using blocks, um, but you, especially endurance riders, because I see a lot of riders that do arena-based riding sports and they're always mounting from a mounting block. And I understand that you don't want to pull on the saddle and they don't want to pinch the horse at the withers. Right. And, and I understand all the reasons for why people use mounting blocks. But as an endurance rider, you have to be able to get on and off from the ground and there might not be a handy stump. That's true. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you want to be able to continue to do that. You have to be able, which when you break down the motion, you have to be able to step one foot above your knee level at least, fairly high and then haul your weight up. Mm-hmm. You can train this by maintaining strength in your legs and maintaining flexibility in your ankles. Because when you look at it, when a rider steps in the stirrup to mount, they have a really deep bend at the ankle, they have a deep bend at the knee, and they have a deep bend at the hip. And then you're using your arms and your leg to kind of basically do, um, do the same thing as if you were to step up three stairs at a time. And if you haven't trained your body to maintain the ability to do this, you're not going to suddenly be able to do it into a saddle. Right. So, and a lot of that training for an older rider, too, can be done holding onto a railing, holding onto a wall, you know, set up a couple of hay bales, hold on to the bars of a stall wall, and step up onto the hay bales and practice being able to do that. And, and being able to do it with as little, you know, wobble or loss of balance as possible. So something like stepping up or like the balance that's involved can be trained in little incremental steps. You know, stepping onto, if balance is a challenge for someone, stepping onto a flake of hay and stepping off it without losing their balance. You might start out by holding onto something um, or, or standing on it and, and 
maintaining balance because there's that moment when you're mounting when all your weight is on one leg um, and you need to have good balance because the stirrup is not, you know, firm. It's not on the ground. So so there's many things involved in being able to mount. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you break them down, there's many ways you can train those different components and then put them all together and makes it easier. And, and to be able to dismount safely as well. I mean, the last thing you want is to be able is to ride and then go to dismount and sprain your ankle. <laughs> that would that would be bad. <laughs> Especially oh, right. if you need to do something like dismount and tail the horse up the hill. Uh-huh. Well tell us about your personal training programs. I'm on your website right now. Um well I I've usually work with people privately. I'm I'm about to start launching some small group training options online. Okay. And I also do clinics and workshops. So what I do is a little bit different. I, because I'm coming from a personal trainer background, um, I I recognize that each rider ha- is an individual. There are general ways that all riders can be improved in in their training. So I have some basic platforms that I encourage people to use regardless of their discipline or their age. I have a a core training book, for example, called Complete Core Workout for Riders. And I have another one called Killer Core Workout for Runners, which is actually excellent for riders, but especially endurance riders, because it builds the core strength that you need specifically for movement over a lot of time um, and a lot of uh, on varied terrain. So it's it's a great one. So I encourage people to do those basic things. But um, when I'm working with someone either individually and I've coached people around the world by Skype. Um, or, and, and as I get into being able to launch some kind of small group training platform for people to bring the cost down a little bit, I always start with a common base. But then I tailor the training, especially in the individual one-on-one training, to the person's discipline, to the person's all, all the other personal characteristics that people have. So some riders also need to lose weight, for example, or some riders... Mm-hmm. Um, are recovering from an injury or a joint replacement or have other considerations in their training. You're never just um, a neutral. There's no such thing as like the rider workout. Right. Effectively. The same thing, the same way that there's no such thing as the human being workout. You know, you're all different. So, and, and, and I think especially with riders, when riders are pressed for time, so something I find that's important in a training program for a rider is that the exercises and the activities that they do be realistically something they can fit into their life. I do work with some people who never set foot in a gym because they live rural and, and the gym is in the town and they just don't have the time. And so so we we work out activities that they can do with inexpensive equipment. You can buy it just about anywhere and have it home without taking up a lot of space that meets their needs without having to go into a gym and use gym equipment. Um, occasionally, I work with an, another rider who likes gym work and lives urban and has their horse rural, and, and so a gym workout on their non-riding days works for them, and I design a program for them for that. It very much depends on the rider. Okay, tell us about your website. Okay, well... On my website right now, there's information on fitness training and equestrian fitness, and I have ebooks on there, uh, rider fitness ebooks, which I started writing in 2007. So they're available there. And I'm just about to 
change the website so that it's a little more friendly to devices. I think I mentioned that a little bit earlier, but um, you want to be able to find information easily. And uh, you can sign up for a newsletter on there as well um, that I have, which I send out monthly, which is free with a fitness tip. And I also have a web uh, Facebook page, which you can sign up for. I post random fitness tips and exercises and other health and nutrition information on there as well. So there are a lot of ways for people to get information for free. And if they're interested in in training with me, they can contact me to do that. Okay. And what's the website address? Equifit, E-Q-U-I-F-I-T-T dot com. Now, there you go. Well, that was an excellent segment on health and nutrition, uh, which is something that uh, I do every day, work out for hours, <laughs> hours at my on my seat here in front of the microphone. Uh, <laughs> I was feeling kind of guilty through that whole thing, actually. I know, huh? Yeah. I know. But, you know, as we get older, we do need to pay more attention to our bodies and taking care of ourselves. Y- you know, we spend so much time focusing on our horses. But really, we need to work on ourselves as well. And you think endurance riders are actually more than most people because you guys are in the saddle for so long. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, I failed to mention um, when we had Kristen on for the, um, and she mentioned the national championship, who won the 100 mile AARC national championship ride? And that was Bryn Stevenson and her mayor, Maddie. And they came in first. I guess it was a the race off and she won the hundred. So congratulations to them. Way to go, Maddie. Yes. And and I'm looking at the picture of them with the big trophy and it's a really nice flea bitten gray. Looks like an Arabian. Oh, terrific. One of my, my favorites. <laughs> terrific. Very good. A little partial to those flea bitten gray horses, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's also talk about something that helps all of the endurance riders get across the finish line in first place. They sure can. Uh, Renegade Hoof Boots. They're made in the United States in Arizona. They are a wonderful product. They have a couple of different styles. I uh, use the traditional Renegade Hoof Boots on my horses, but they also have a model called the Viper, which uh, has been designed to fit a different, a slightly different shape of a hoof. So, you know, a lot of riders, if they have trouble fitting one kind of boot, they can try the other model and see if they get a better fit. Just depends on what your horse's shape is. And if you get in touch with the company, they're more than happy to help you. You can send photos of your horse's feet and they'll help you decide and measurements. They come in a lot of different colors, sport orange, dragonfire red, yellow gold, Arizona copper, burgundy blitz, jade, chocolate, and black. Very good. And where can they find them again? And do you order them directly from the website? Um, yes, you can. Renegadehoofboots.com. All right, very good. And if they have questions, I know they can call there. If you have questions on sizing or or anything, they're really good at helping people with that kind of stuff. Yes, they are. They know the market, and they know endurance riding. So uh, check it out, renegadehoofboots.com. Oh, well, I think our next guest is ready here. Oh, good. Well, this is Dr. Jerry Zebrak. He is a longtime endurance rider, and I also know he rides long-distance bicycle rides as well. And at the ride last week that I was at, he asked riders to help him by participating in a research study he's doing with heart rate monitors on us, the riders. So he's going to tell us about that. Um, welcome to the show, Jerry. Good morning. 
Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks. We're really interested in your in what you're doing. So tell us about what what this uh, research is about that you're doing. Well, for many many years, I've felt that endurance riding was just as hard as doing any long distance bike riding, and as hard as as doing marathons. I grant that if you run, you're not going to be able to run as far or as long as you can on a horse. But on the other hand, you don't do it for as many hours. So I've always expressed this, and I've done some preliminary-type research on myself and a couple of friends, and our heart rates and our energy expenditure riding a horse is just, as much as people doing <clears throat> bicycle riding and, and running. Um, I have friends, like most people who do endurance riding, have friends who have never been on a horse, and they say, oh, so you're going to go do an endurance race again. And they look at it like you're driving a car. <laughs> right, you're just sitting you're there, right? To, <clears throat> you're just sitting there, <laughs> You're driving a car that's a convertible because the top's down and you're exposed to the elements, but you're still just sitting there and steering. And they <laughs> right. even grant they even grant that the car is on a dirt road, so you have to steer it around boulders and potholes and stuff like that. But even so, you're just sitting there and steering. And it certainly may be fun, maybe somewhat challenging, but it's it's not in the hard category. So, uh, recently with all the They've new... They've never fallen off a horse onto a rock. Um, so, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> and I'm really, truly one of those writers who falls a lot. So, <laughs> I certainly understand that. I understand bicycle because, you know, bi- I ride bike too. So, I understand that, you know, we fall too and it hurts. Uh, but boy, you know, after we fall, if the bike goes over us, it's not really a big deal. Uh, you know, when the horse goes over you, uh, that's a big deal. So, yeah. <laughs> that is really true. Uh, so, with the new uh, technology, Polar and Garmin have watches that will record your heart rates for a certain period of time along with using GPS to tell you what distance you've run. And then you can program all that into a computer and come up with an average heart rate uh, for whatever distance you've gone. Right now, there's hundreds and hundreds of articles published about what happens when people do bicycle riding and record all their heart rates and do 100-mile bike rides or centuries and record their heart rates. And the same thing for runners, marathons, and half marathons, and ultra-marathon type stuff. So published throughout, there's all these articles about how much energy is expended with those sports. But there's been nothing published at all as far as endurance riding. And I felt that it would be fairly easy to get together a number of endurance riders to do the same thing as they've done with the <clears throat> bicycle and endurance races. So that, that's what I'm attempting to do. 
And so what we need, Jerry, is a heart monitor belt to wear on us and either a, a Polar or a Garmin unit to, to record it. Oh, that's right. And I think there must be other brands besides those two. Sure. I just haven't looked into all the different companies. But right now, a lot of endurance riders are doing it for their horses. Right. And they can tell exactly how far they've gone with their horses, horses' heart rates are, and so forth. And I'm just saying, instead of putting the monitor on the horse, at least for one ride, put it on you and see how you do. Right. I think it's it's really important for horse endurance riders to to know for sure how much energy they're actually expending. Uh, You need to, if, if they're expending the energy like I believe they are, then they need to look at themselves as real true athletes in doing a hard sport. And therefore, they need to take care of themselves as far as hydration, as far as calories and stuff like that. Exactly. Plus, exactly. Do you care what distance we ride when we when we record this information to send to you? Does it matter if it's a 50 or a 25 or does it need to be 100? No, it could be any, any of the three distances. I just... Uh, say 50 because it's easier than trying to stay all the other distances in 75s and stuff like that. But any, any distance would, would, would add up into it. Uh, if we're, uh, there's a lot of studies showing that if you're a runner and you say run for three hours, you're going to spend so much energy during that three hours. If you're going to run for six hours, you go a lot slower, so you're spending less energy per hour. Uh, So the total energy, however, is probably really similar whether you run for three hours at a faster pace or six hours at a slower pace. Okay. Wow. And have you recorded yourself so far on um, to compare how you are on a bike ride versus an endurance ride? Oh, I have quite a bit. I'm a cardiologist, so and I've been in charge of uh, exercise programs for most of my adult life. and so I've really paid a lot of attention to heart rates and how much energy is expended. So naturally, I've done it on myself over and over and over again. I've been using a heart rate monitor on myself or on a horse since about 1980. Uh-huh. And then about 1985, companies started coming out and making it. So it was much easier to, to do. And and therefore, at this point, most people are doing it to some degree, I believe. Now, I got a question for you. I don't know that you know the answer to this, or maybe you've looked at it. But uh, as a cardiologist, do you have you seen do horse people tend to have the same amount of heart disease as everybody else? Do they have a little less because they tend to be a little bit more active? Have you has there ever been a study done in that? No, no study has been done at all, but. Uh, this endurance riding is a hard physical sport and it's just like any other hard physical activity. People who do that have a lot less heart disease. Mm -hmm. Uh, But nobody has ever said about proving that. 
some other tasks are caused by genetic problems and diabetes and so forth. Yeah, because we've all known that that avid runner who dies while running, right, of a heart attack. So, yeah, yeah, you do have that. Wow. But if you just look at endurance horse riders, they're in good shape. It's some people may have a little extra pounds on them, but they're certainly not an average American non-exercising individual. Definitely. <laughs> that was a polite way of saying. <laughs> Very good, doctor. That's a polite way of saying that. Well, that's great. Now, so let's just review how exactly they get you the results. Uh, I have an email site that's jzebrack at yahoo.com that's spelled j-z-e-b-r-a-c-k at yahoo.com and there's a in the last month's issue of Endurance News there's a little box that gives all the details about this so somebody can either send me the results of that email or send me an email question if they like. All right. We'll post that also in our show notes. Uh, for those that are new to the show, you can go to horsesinthemorning.com and we post links to all of our guests in the individual show notes for each episode. So we'll post that email address in the show notes as well. Jennifer will take care of that. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us and uh, good luck with the study. Let us know when you have uh, you know some kind of conclusion and it would be interesting to hear it. Thank you, Jerry. Sure. You're welcome. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye, Jerry. All right. We'll post that uh, email address. It would be interesting to see that. Isn't that interesting? I even got a chest belt um, ordered, so I'm going to record myself on the 50 this coming weekend. I find it really interesting that we haven't done any kind of research on us as riders on our endurance rides, but we're always hooking up heart monitors to our horses. That is true because you know? I think we don't want the answer. <laughs> that's what it, that's, we, 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 you know, we, we want the answer with our horses, but we don't want the answer on ourselves. I know. Uh, it's exactly. true, right? It's the reason we all avoid going to the doctor or getting physicals or any of that stuff. <laughs> so. I know. But no, I think this is going to be really interesting because now we can say to these people, um, you know, we're not just sitting there, you know, it really is exercise, you know, riding a horse 50 miles. It's not something everybody can do. In fact, most people probably couldn't do it. So I think he's right on track with with this with doing this. I think it's great. Terrific. And you do do most of the endurance riders you know do any uh, other exercise? I mean, we were talking about that earlier in the show. Do they go to the gym? Do you know? Um, yes, I know a lot of them do. They go to the gym. Some do Pilates. Some do yoga. I know some that do bike riding, including the long distance bike riding like Jerry himself has done. And, um, you know, my husband is even training. He doesn't ride horses, of course, but he's training to do um, a century, which is a hundred mile bike race. Oh, wow. So, so that's why we thought it would be cool to, to do this, um, to participate in this research because I can record myself on endurance rides and then my husband can record himself on the um, bicycle rides and we can turn it all into Jerry and let him figure out what it means. And it is interesting because that is what other people think, right? About non-horse riders think about horse riders as they just <laughs> sit there. Now, until they go on their first trail ride for an hour and get off and can't walk. Um, the next day. Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> then they realize differently. But that is the common misconception, right? Right. It is. Definitely. 
And then once you've done it, you know, anybody who has ridden for an hour uh, then looks at you guys and thinks you're crazy. So, uh, you know, well, which may well, be yeah. true, but. Uh, right. And like my little junior that's riding Bo, the 10 year old, she also runs cross country. Mm. So she's pretty fit for a 10 year old. Yeah, I was going to say I, she had some level of fitness to begin with. Yes, yeah. yes. And so that really helps pay off because I know a lot of the youth today aren't always in that good of shape themselves. So it's really cool to see some that are. So is our next guest ready? I think so. Awesome. Okay. The next guest is from the AERC, Dr. Susan Garlinghouse. Um, are you there, Susan? Good morning. I am. Hi, Karen. Hi, Glenn. How are you? Hey. Good. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. This is Health well, Hour on Endurance uh, <laughs> episode. We're apparently talking all health and uh, how lazy we all are. So, as <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking yes. for myself, of course. No, yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Susan, today we're going to have you talk about when to know um, when your horse is ready to complete versus compete. Well, and, and this was a, a topic that I, I thought was, was interesting because, you know, on a lot of different lists in it, at endurance clinics and seminars and things, we have a lot of riders that are relatively new to the sport, and they want to know when do, is their horse ready to, uh, to, to take to their, their first ride. And we can talk to them a lot about going out and doing, uh, you know, your horse should be able to go out and, and do, say, a, a significant significant exercise loop at a, a set speed at, at something that you would be com uh, going to a ride at, and then they should be able to recover to a, a set pulse of, you know, say 60, something like that, within just a couple of, of minutes. And we can talk to them about that, and and we also talk to them about how it, it only takes, you can actually get an unfit horse up to pretty close to total cardiovascular and muscle fitness within about six months of, of riding, if you are really, really methodical and systematic about doing that. Mm -hmm. But we, we also, it, it's really important that, that we understand that it takes longer to build up some of the other systems that uh, support the, the whole, not just, it's not just heart rate and pulse and, and muscle, but we also have to build up the, uh, the the dense supportive tissue, the the tendons, the ligaments, the the, uh, the hoof tissue, um, and and that takes longer. Uh, the there we do have some some work that that will tell us that you can build up. It, it takes somewhere in the neighborhood of about maybe a year or so to to build up tendon and ligament, and but that would be true if it were in an almost a professional setting. I mm -hmm. I think for most people trying to condition an endurance horse, probably taking up to a year and a half or even two years at the, at the rate and the distances that, that most of us ride, it's going to take a long time before you have a horse that really has full, fully mature and hardened uh, legs and tendons. Uh, as you know yourself from your, your background in uh, the uh, hoof health and trimming and things like that with, with your own horses, Horses' feet are, are incredibly dynamic, and they can really change for the better or mm -hmm. for the worse for years and years and years, pretty much their entire life. Right. And that's something you really need to, to stay on top of. Um, one of the, the other things I think that maybe we don't have 
the the research to to back up and to to fully quantify. But I think it's something very intangible that that we really need to keep on top of is that you can have a horse that is physically ready to go and do a conservative ride, uh, whether that is a limited distance, a multi-days, even 50s or 100s, and they can finish that ride and physically do just great. But Mm -hmm. it's a big leap to then take that horse and say, well, okay, I've done my first 50. So this next time, I want a top 10, or I want to win, or I want to, I want to be up there running with the big dogs. And, and I think that that is when we start getting into uh, a, a much riskier danger zone. Uh, we, we know at ACRC that uh, we're, we're still trying to figure out a way to, to plot not just when things go right, but also when things go wrong. But mm-hmm. we do know that not so much rider experience seems to be a, a major factor in when things go wrong with, with horses, but the horse experience themselves. Uh, we know that a horse that has less than 500 miles of endurance experience in competition is at considerably higher risk than a horse that has more experience than that. So, as, as you know yourself, you've, you've had, what, mm-hmm. I think four, four horses that you've uh, put at least 6,000 miles onto them. Yes. Um, and for that matter, mm-hmm. with which if you put 6,000 miles onto them several times. <laughs> a couple. <laughs> uh, a couple times, yeah. Uh, then we, uh, uh, we know that um, there's some intangibles, that those horses, we, we can't just go out and say, okay, we're going to go do a 10 or 15-mile training loop, and this horse is going to, to learn things. There's some things that those horses only learn actually at a ride. Right. And they don't necessarily learn it the first time or, or even their first season. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's things that they have to learn to really relax every opportunity that they have, uh, that they're not uh, at camp spinning around and, and busy being tourists and watching other horses. They, they need to right. learn energy conservation. They need to learn to really take care of themselves on the trail, uh, not just taking a sip of water and then stopping and getting all antsy because they want to go down the trailer, they want to go see their friend, or, or they don't like that, that water, um, they, they really need to, to eat whatever is in front of them. They need to learn to, to be able to be sure-footed and, and watch what they're doing and learning mm-hmm. to take care of themselves, even when their, their rider is, is getting tired. Uh, that hopefully, you know, the rider is always there to, to be able to be making good choices on behalf of the horse. But uh, I know I've certainly had, had rides, and I know you have as well, that we're getting tired or somehow maybe mm-hmm. we've been injured and we're thinking about something else. And uh, my uh, my horse, John Henry, he will say, okay, that's fine, but by the way, you missed a turn and we're supposed <laughs> to be going this way. Or uh, look, there's a water trough over there and we have to go 50 yards off the, the trail, but I'm going to go over here and get a drink. And there's lots and lots of things like that that are just a matter of experience on the, right. the horse. And there's a lot of people that they, uh, very, very experienced people that uh, they feel that it takes uh, a minimum of two years to really build an, an endurance horse. And, and and I think that there's even a longer curve than, than that, that there's, um, before you're going to go out and start asking your horse for placings, 
I think you really, really have to have an experienced, savvy horse that has all of those intangible skills. Um, and, and I think that's where we, we have a harder time. Um, we, we can't just say, okay, your horse uh, just did, you know, uh, galloped up this, this hill and uh, his pulse rate dropped to, to 60 within a, a minute and, you know, his legs look great and his feet look great and, and all of this thing is terrific. I, I think it's very difficult to put numbers to some of these uh, qualitative factors. In, in experience, and mm-hmm. and I think those are the kind of things that uh, you can safely go out and you can complete a ride, but it's much more difficult to pin something onto when a horse is ready to go out and really start running with the big dogs and competing and racing at at a ride. Um, that's um, that, that's going to take longer, and I don't think that is something that you can ask a horse to do in in even just one season. Uh, I I think that that's that's something that they continue to to gain over their uh, their lifetime. I'm right, sure that especially with. Uh, uh, sorry, go ahead. And just because they can do it, you know, they may do it actually and come through the ride, but they're getting the wear and tear that's going to show up later. Absolutely, yeah, uh, and that's that's something else as, as well is that uh, you know we horses learn to recover better with more experience, um, and and a lot of that is is just not only um, doing things like being able to drink well during the ride, but and eating well during the ride and relaxing at camp. Uh, horses have to learn to to relax so much that maybe they can can lay down and really get a mm-hmm. good rest. Uh, that's that's not something you tend to see novice horses doing. Uh, I'm not sure if I've ever seen a novice horse uh, doing that at uh, at camp. Right. Uh, and travel really really well. Yes, that um, makes a big difference. You know, yeah, we well we we know we do have a, a research that that tells us that for every um, hour of travel, and this is in the perfect trailer and conditions, in a perfect trailer, a horse that that is uh, is traveling relaxed and comfortable, that is not sweating and pawing and getting nervous and worried, that they're still going to lose uh, 0.9 gallons of water per hour of travel. And, and that's through uh, sweat losses, respiration, feces, urine. And so that becomes 1% dehydrated for every 90 minutes of travel under perfect conditions. Wow. So if you have a, a horse that has trailered, say, eight hours to get to a ride, which is, is not at all unusual for, for a lot of the distances that we have to go, uh, that means that that horse comes off the trailer Five percent dehydrated before he even starts that ride, and now some horses will be able to completely rehydrate themselves overnight. But there's a lot of horses that, if without that experience, they're not going to be able to completely rehydrate themselves. They're going to be too busy, you know, worrying about look, I'm in a new place, and who's that horse over there? And I want to go over here, and, and, and look, I'm not here with my buddy, and I'm going to be worried about that. Uh, and so those horses are potentially starting the ride the next day at less fully hydrated. 
And of the serious medical problems that we see at rides, uh, then colic or something associated with colic and dehydration are going to uh, to be by far and away the, the most common and serious presentation that we have. And so one of the things is certainly we have to make sure that that horse is doing everything we possibly can to to make sure that they start the ride hydrated and with as much fluid on board as, as we can, can get them to voluntarily drink. Um, and, and then that they also continue that during the ride. If not, and this is going to be much more common in an inexperienced horse, mm-hmm. then that horse already has a mark against them trying to go out, and, and horses do not have the, the same, they're not necessarily going to respond the same at a ride as they do at home. Uh, if, if a horse can go do a 20-mile training ride at six miles an hour, and eats and drinks fine and comes home and he's romping across your, your pasture, that's great. But that is not necessarily what you can expect at a ride. And a large part of that is because we have this trailering deficit and a horse that has not necessarily uh, drank as much water as he needed to the night before the ride, uh, or if you're going to a multi-day, the night after the ride before to start the next day, mm-hmm. or a horse that has not uh, eaten as well and does not have uh, a, a good gut fill of the forage that he's going to need to be uh, really doing well during it uh, before and after that that ride. So these these horses, uh, there's we we can't just look at these novice horses and say, well, his pulse comes down within two minutes uh, when I exercise him at a certain level. Uh, we we really need to look at the big picture and look at the experience. Uh, and, and understand that this is a whole learning process, not just for the rider, even if the rider is already experienced, uh, but also the horse as well. And that, that's not something that you can teach a, uh, a horse overnight or even just in one season. Well, how does the age of the horse factor in? Well, um, another variable. <laughs> it, it, it's another variable. Uh, certainly a horse that is a little bit uh, older or at least mature um, when and, and we know that no matter what you do regardless of the, the breed or how fabulous potential a horse has, a horse with a skeleton is not mature before at least six years old uh, and and until you get to that point then you're, you're certainly you're adding a risk to that horse by asking them for a really top physical effort. Now mm-hmm. the horse's skeleton matures from the ground up uh, and when we talk about uh, growth plates closing, um, then those are the, the long bones that continue to elongate with maturity. And those start to close and, and, and don't elongate any longer starting at the ground. So the, there are some growth plates that uh, are right down in the, uh, pretty close to the, the foot uh, the, uh, uh, and in the pasterns, that those are actually mature and close almost immediately after birth. But then the, the horse continues to, to grow, and they, they slowly mature and close, uh, starting from the ground and heading on their way up. And the very last bones to stop elongating are the ones that, that's called the dorsal process of the, the spine. 
and those are the, the bones. They're most visible when uh, you see a, a young horse starts to develop those withers, and people will say, oh, well, yeah, that horse was a four-year-old, but he grew an inch between, you know, when he was a four-year-old and a six-year-old. Right. Well, if you measured that horse, it would not be that that additional height is not going to be the length of, say, the cannon bone or of the, the forearm or the femur uh, or the, 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 the bones of the legs. Those are going to be the bones higher up. And almost certainly those are going to be actually just part of the vertebrae that is still just elongating a little bit and you're getting just a little bit more height. But the, the bones of the legs, those are pretty much already closed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, it is, it's along the spine. It's a weight-bearing area. It, it is more prone to, to injury. They're not going to be mature until they're at least six years old. So I think we have to be really, really careful, even though we allow four-year-old horses to compete in the limited-distance rides, and we allow five-year-olds in 50s and six-year-olds in 100s. That to, to condition a horse to those levels, you have to have had some significant amount of saddle time before mm-hmm. um, before that they're four year old or, or five or six, and and we need to to understand that these are still uh, these are not mature animals until they're at least six years old, and right. and you do run a higher risk of, of injury, even though the racing industry they do they they race two year olds three year olds four year olds. Uh, well, normally, a, a four- or five-year-old on the racetrack would be considered a, quote, aged horse. But for us, they're babies. Uh-huh. And, and look at the number of horses that are still competing and going in endurance in, in their teens, into their 20s. Um, I, I once gave Best Condition uh, uh, Award to a 26-year-old horse. Uh, and and I wasn't aware that he was a 26-year-old horse. Wow. It certainly, it wasn't just a gift that, hey, look, he's 26 years old. Let's reward that. That horse looked fabulous. Good. And and he come in at top 10 in a very, very difficult ride. But uh, that horse just came romping on in. It was a wonderful, wonderful horse in, in the, uh, the Pac South region, a uh, horse named Hondo. And it turns out that that was his uh, uh his his last ride, they were planning on retiring him, and boy, Aww. he went out on a high. Uh-huh. Um, so it was, was terrific. But it's this is again just one of those things that I think we need to be patient with our young horses and not ask them to go out and and be competing and going for placings and and going for top tens or or things like that. Even going for uh, for anything in the the AERC and in regional or national placings, um, until that horse is really mature, not just the body but also the brain, and that that brain is is it's very intangible thing. It's hard to measure <laughs> it, but it's it's something that you need to to pay attention to. Right, and some horses definitely take longer than others. <laughs> uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, and and some of them are just never going to never going to get it. Um, we've we've both seen horses at, at rides that physically they, they have all the potential in the world. But if that is a horse that you know doesn't doesn't start drinking well and isn't eating and, and is having a hard time, actually one of the, the, the most 
metabolically compromised horses at a distance event I have ever seen was, uh, it, it wasn't even at competition. It was at a, uh, a practice event. This was, it wasn't even endurance. It was a ride and tie. And it just happened to be a, a, a practice event at a ranch where I was boarding at the time. And I just happened to be there. And there was a, a horse that uh, they had, had brought in the night before, but the horse had never camped uh, off of a, a trailer before in its life. Oh, wow. It had never trailed. It had, it, it had only tra- actually been in a trailer twice in its entire life before this night before. Um, it had never trailered alone before. It had never been left alone overnight. Uh, Is there and, anything and, else and we can do wrong here? <laughs> Is there anything exactly? Talk about a catastrophe in the in the making. And then the next day they go up and they they, they say, okay, we're just going to go out, but we're only going to do you know ten mile training loop. But as it happens, and and like I said, I just uh, I, I wasn't involved with this. I just happened to be there riding my own horse, and the uh, uh, one of the organizers said, "Hey, this horse really isn't looking quite right." But the horse has only done ten miles. Could you come over and take a look? And I couldn't believe how the the amount of trouble that this horse was in, oh, man. Um, and it it just happened to be that uh, no it, it was okay it was but th- this was a seriously dehydrated horse because the horse had not uh, taken care of itself the night before hadn't had anything to eat uh, it oh, hadn't no. touched its hay it hadn't had anything to drink it didn't drink during the practice session because it was so busy being involved in the event mm-hmm. and and when they brought him back after just 10 miles and it was a warm day but it certainly wasn't hot and there was water out on the, the trail for them, but the horse didn't drink. And when they brought him back, uh, this was a horse that uh, he was probably around maybe 7 or 8% dehydrated, which is significant. And it just so happened that I did have supplies with me. And so we went ahead and we, we started IV fluids and, and I stayed there the rest of the day and, and we ran in fluids and the horse was fine. Oh, good. But um, it, it just kind of tells you that people... You know, they can say, oh, yeah, this is his first ride, but we're only doing the limited distance or we're only going to do even a fun and intro ride, things like that. Well, don't horses, right, don't most horses lose most of their fluids like in the first 25 miles? They do. We we still haven't completely been able to uh, identify what those trends are. But yes, absolutely. Most of the, the data that we have so far says that horses will lose most of the fluids that they're going to lose in the first 25 miles or so. Okay. And after that, those thirst responses tend to kick in better. They start to rehydrate themselves. Right. Um, and and a lot of the times, especially if it's during a 100-mile ride, then later on in the day, it starts to cool off. Those horses really seem to get a second wind. And, and they bounce back. They, they mm-hmm. finish great, and they bounce back. Um, it, it used to be there was some uh, some data from um, Dr. Carlson at UC Davis back in the uh, oh I think it was in the 80s that he was typifying that most horses will finish an endurance ride about five percent dehydrated, and this seems to be whether it's at 25 miles, at 50 miles, or at 100 miles. Now we're starting to maybe think that that is not true for all horses, that there are some horses that, and this seems to be more at the 50 or the 100-mile distance, 
that um, those horses actually sometimes be able uh, are able to um, regain that fluid loss that they lost during the first 25 miles, and they they are all back to their starting point. Again, those are not going to be novice horses. Those are going to be very experienced, savvy horses. That, that makes this sense. Ain't their first rodeo, and right. and those are the horses that uh, you know we we love the, the the phrase that an army travels on its stomach, and that's never true. Then never more true than it is for endurance horses. That we love the horses that can stop and grab a bite of mm-hmm. grass along the trail, and then keep on going down the trail. Mm-hmm. And they're dragging you sideways to drink out of a puddle uh-huh. by the side of the trail, or you know they they will uh, if there is say an irrigation ditch that you can't get the horse to the ditch, but you can get down to the ditch and you can uh, uh, get a little bit of water in mm-hmm. one of those little collapsible. Um, water buckets or, uh, you know, in, in just a gallon uh, freezer bag or something like that. And the horse is going, Yahoo, you bet I'm going to drink that water. Well, um, Susan, this, infor- really this information you've given us has been really um, useful, I think, for a lot of the listeners. So thank you so much for being on the show. And um, we hope to You're have you back. Thank you. That would be awesome. Have a great mor- uh, morning, both of you. Thanks, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Are you there, Glenn? I am here. Okay. <laughs> the educated show today. It Yes, horses and riders both. Yeah, exactly. Well, we, tell we everybody, too, before we run out of time, we're on the, I guess it's on the AERC website that they can find the calendar for rides coming up. Yes, aerconline.org or just aerc.org. And you can check for the rides that are all over the country. Some regions like where you're at in Florida are probably just starting to get ready to ride during the winter season. While other regions up in the north, um, like where I am, we're getting towards the end of our season and we're going to shut down for winter for a little while. So, um, But there's still a lot of rides all over the country coming up. You can go check the ride calendar, look up which region you ride in and and find a ride near you. Um, If you're new and you want to just go learn about endurance, um, contact the ride manager and ask if they need any volunteers or if you can just come out and help or watch and observe. And uh, also they have a lot of educational clinics. I know um, Dr. Goringhouse is on the head of the... um, the education committee and she's put together quite a lot of information on writer education including videos that they have a channel on youtube you can go there and watch a lot of videos and learn about a lot of the things in a little more detail um, that she was discussing here well thanks again karen for putting this show together we really appreciate it good luck in the parades coming up the practice parades Thank you. Uh, We'll be looking for pictures, and we'll talk to you again next month. Of course, Karen, to remind everybody, is here on the second Tuesday of every month doing the endurance episode. You can find all the past episodes at horsesinthemorning.com. Just go there and search for endurance, and it'll bring up all the past episodes we've done. If you want to go back and take a listen, all that information is still relevant. You can find Karen at... EnduranceRideStuff.com. Or... 
my name, KarenChatton.com. Either one. And Either of course, one. you can. Uh, fi- the easiest way to listen to the recorded version of this show is on our app. Just download it. It's Horse Radio Network. It's free. It's easy. It's simple to download. And Jamie will be back here tomorrow morning uh, for our Wednesday episode. We appreciate you stopping by. It is the 240th anniversary, or birthday, rather, of the United States Navy. So why don't we end the show today with a little Anchors Away. Take care, everybody. We'll see you here tomorrow. Thanks, Karen. Bye. See you next month. 